0: Listen up, I'm Amaro, And I'm Sin. And we're your hosts for Chaos Rising.
1: Chaos Rising is a podcast at the intersection of culture and community.
0: And we're here to talk about a range of topics and have some great, versatile guests on.
1: We might talk about culture for a couple episodes and then talk about astrology.
0: And we'll have on writers and maybe even astrophysicists, who knows?
1: You'll find us here every Sunday, whether you like it or not
0: put us on while you clean, while you drive, while you ponder life's infinite mysteries.
1: So let's get it on with this week's episode. We've got somebody great for you guys today.
0: Welcome to another episode, our wonderful and faithful listeners. We're glad you've joined us for another podcast episode and we've got a special treat for you all. We're here today with uh, George Estevez. So uh, tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself.
2: Okay, well, hello, everyone. Uh, First of all, I want to thank both of you for having me on. Um, My name is George Estevez. I uh, am originally from the Dominican Republic. Um, I came to this country when I was about five years old. um, And um, I worked at the Smithsonian National Museum of the American Indian for 25 years. I just recently retired from there. And uh, I am presently the cacique, which is, um, I guess you could call it a chief uh, of the Higuayagua Taino uh, tribe. Um, and we are pan-Caribbean in scope. And um, that's just a little bit about about myself.
1: That's pretty impressive. I'm Dominican too, so that's awesome. I love that. Yeah,
2: um, <laughs> okay, excellent. <laughs>
1: um, so I don't know if you know, let me. well, obviously you know about Amero, uh, but both of us, I, I kind of started finding out about it as well due to Omero because he kind of really got me into it. I found out, uh, you know, I'm assuming or suspecting that I I also have a little um, heritage in the Taino people as well as Omero having that. Um, so Casique, can you tell our listeners about who the Taino are, were?
2: Okay. So I think that it's, it's important to keep, um, to keep into, uh, into perspective that, uh, you know, identity is it goes beyond uh, blood. You know, mm-hmm. um, like for example, uh, when I when I when I was working for the museum, we worked on this exhibit um, that became the first exhibit that actually highlighted Taínos as as surviving rather than as extinct. And um, and I found uh, in my research trips uh, that sometimes you would go to villages where you might not necessarily think that there's a lot of indigenous blood, but there was a lot of indigeneity present. And in other villages where people look straight up Indian and there was not as much indigeneity present. So, so to me, blood is important, but it's not that important. Now, to get to your question, the Taino people are a, are a people that evolved in the Caribbean, but the roots, um, the ancestors of, of our ancestors actually arrived from South America. And I will tell you that um, starting about two years ago, they began doing uh, ancient DNA sequencing on over 300 and I think it was 374 bones, if I'm not mistaken, if that's the total number, uh, um, from all, across the Caribbean. And um, and what this DNA, uh, ancient DNA revealed is that everything that we thought we knew about the Tainos is totally wrong. So at one point they believed that there was uh, uh, early migrations coming in from the Yucatan uh, some eight to nine thousand years ago and uh, and these people settled across the Caribbean and then about four thousand years ago, Arawakan speaking peoples um, from the Orinoco river um, um, basin began island hopping and arriving in the Caribbean and in time they overran the Caribbean, and, um, and this is what evolved into Taino. But that's not exactly the way it happened. Um, so if you've ever seen anything on Taino culture, uh, like read anything about it, you'll always find that they have what they call um, like ceramic series, right? So they have like the Saladoids, the Magicoids, the Chicoids, the Casamaroids, et cetera, et cetera. So all these different um, uh, series that they call them in, in archaeology, uh, ceramic series, they were considered to be different migrations from different peoples. And and that's why they had this this scenario. So what they know now was that there was actually, uh, so so the DNA revealed now that there was actually four archaic, that means very old migrations, three of which were Arawak and only one, and a very minute one actually came from the Yucatan. So rather that we had very, very little influence from that area. And then, uh, so they separated into They separated into the archaics and they separated into like the, the newcomers, the ones that arrived some four thousand years ago. Um, and this is what brings in the Saladoids, et cetera, et cetera. But what they found now is that all these different ceramic series were be- being created by the same exact people. So so now we know that that, that, the, that the people that was less heterogeneity across the islands, they were, they were, they were more similar to each other than, than they believed. And they also now know that although the, the population was still rather high, but it wasn't as high as the Spanish believed it to be. In any event, um, what we know about the Taino now um, changes everything um, that we understood before. And uh, I can honestly tell you that the Caribbean is, is actually wide open, um, uh, again, you know, um, for, for, for new analysis and, and new theories. Um, in the old days, you know, you can't really blame the old archaeologists. They didn't have the same kind of tools that we have today. So mm-hmm. if they found something on the ground. They had no way of knowing that one was a thousand years older than the other. Um, you know, so but now we, we, we can do that. And now we can look at bones and see if, if the bones are connected genetically to the peoples that are living today as they have found or. Or if the bo- and if the bones are connected to peoples in South America, et cetera, et cetera. So it's uh it's uh for people who like archaeology, you have to be, I guess, a super nerd, but for people that- <laughs> <laughs> but for people who like archaeology, it's it's uh it's a candy store right now, you know? So so I'm I'm loving
0: it. <laughs> so wow. have you always known about your uh, Taino heritage or you know, is that something you eventually discovered, or something that made you want to pursue working at the museum? Or,
2: well, I've always known about my Taino ancestry. I actually found that when I was, uh, uh, when I actually realized it, when I was, um, when I was very young, and and it came about by just listening to, you know, to family stories. Like, like I cannot honestly tell you that my family ever sat me down and said, George, we have something to tell you. You know, we are. Telling- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing as dramatic as that. But what, ha- what did happen is that, um, that every now and then, like, like when we first came to this country, we used to make cassava bread at home. Um, they didn't have cassava at stores the way they do today that you actually can buy them at, like um, in supermarkets and, and in bodegas and things of that nature. So whenever we would make our cassava, um, all my aunts would come over, my aunts and cousins, and we would there be peeling and grating yuca. Um, then you would start hearing these, these stories. And I was always fascinated by these stories of, of the campo. You know, we are, well, campo is like the countryside. And we come from what they call a, a campo oscuro, a dark countryside, Means, meaning that that in my mother's childhood, there was no electricity, there was no running water. Everything was like, as, you know, as close to the old ways as you can possibly get at that time. And um, And you would hear these stories popping up about, you know, the Ochoro was a real Indian because he was really brave, and and uh, they would attribute, you know, all these things uh, to um, to his Indianness. You know, like you know, my mother would say things like, um, you know, I'm 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 a jealous woman because of my Indian heritage. You know, because yeah, us Indians are, are, are very jealous. You know, we can't help to be, uh, be brave and and be jealous. And that, that was just you know an excuse for her for her jealousy. <laughs> but um. But, uh, <laughs> But the fact is that, you know, she, she connected it to, to something that she knew. Um, my grandmother, on the other hand, my grandmother always asserted that her father was Indian. And um, and she would say that the village, that, the, the town that we come from called Haybon and Laguna Salada, um, my family settled there in the late 1860s. Um, and uh, my grandmother herself was actually born in 1898. She died at 104 years old. Her grandmother, died at 114 years of age. So wow. the oral tradition goes back pretty far. Um, as a matter of fact, when my grandmother would speak about her parents, um, she didn't necessarily call them Dominican. Uh, and, and I could never understand that. But then I realized that the Dominican Republic became Dominican Republic in 1844. So what identities people had before that, like as far as nationally, like were the Hispaniolans? Um, I, I don't know. But my grandmother always referred to everybody as Somos sibaeño. You know, we're from the mm-hmm. Cibao and, and, mm-hmm. and, and that was it. So, so that's how I came to know about, about Taino, um, my Taino heritage.
1: Wow, that's... Because I've heard some of those things as well from, like... Because my mom and my grandmother... My mom was born there, came here um, as a kid as well. So I, I, a lot of the things you were saying, I it resonated with me. So yeah, I could totally, I could see how things get passed down. What are your views though, on the idea of, uh, blood quantum?
2: Well, uh, I, I, let me see. I'll tell you for me, right? Um, being that I'm a mixed blood individual, uh, naturally I'm not going to be, uh, yeah. uh tied to, um, to notions of purity right? But, but I will say this, right? I think that, um, when I, when I, when I started like really doing deep research, um, uh, especially when the genetic thing came around, uh, I realized that as a species, you know, the human species is not a pure species to begin with. So, you know, modern man is a mixture of Denisovan, uh, Cro-Magnon man, um, uh, Neanderthal man, and every couple of years they find a new genetic lineage to some other hominid that existed at some point in time. So my question is, if we are not a pure species, what on earth is a pure race, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I, 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 can't, I can't wrap my mind around like uh, that notion. So I know that that what does happen is that when a, a group of people are isolated from another group of people, uh, in time they develop certain features, you know, because it it, it, tend to, it tends to blend, you know? Um, so like you've seen like in South America, some some tribes that they're very little in number and, uh, and they've intermarried within themselves and there's no genetic flow. So they begin to develop really um, strong features. They all look alike, you know? Um, but actually that is not a good thing, you know, because it, 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 then it begins leading to a lot of you know birth defects. Humans need to have that that influx of of new genetic mm-hmm. new genetic information, you know. Um, but to be more speci- uh, more specific to your question, um, to me, the, when I, when I have to tackle this uh, then this questions of racial purity and things like that, you know, blood quantum mm-hmm. and so on. Uh, I look at it in this way, right? And this is just me. I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna blanket the whole Caribbean, but, but this is what it is for me. So for me is that um, people, if I come to this country, for example, right? In time I naturalize and I become a, I become a citizen. And then I meet a, an American citizen, right? And I, I marry her and we have children. And now we have a bunch of little American citizens running around the house. <laughs> and, uh, and they grow up, and they marry other Americans, and uh, here we go. Now my grandchildren are American. This is how we've become American. Right. Because I immigrated here, and I intermarried into this place, et cetera, et cetera, on this land. Um, but in the Caribbean, they tell us that people came from outside. They married our women in our land, but we become them. Become us, right? And Mm -hmm. and and I and and I've always had a problem with that. So to me, if if you you know we are a tripartite people, you know we have you know blood coming from our Indian ancestors, our African ancestors, and our Spanish ancestors. And I always put the Spanish for last for obvious reasons, right? Um, (laughs) (laughs) But um, but I'm I'm thinking that um, if they married uh, they married into our into into our uh. Bloodlines. or what? Why don't? Why didn't ha, you know? Like that. Why didn't they become us, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I, uh, I I refuse to. To me, I, I think uh, that uh, if you believe yourself to be, you know, African and Spanish with some Indian blood, uh, or you can mm-hmm. say I'm I'm Indian with African and Spanish blood, um, or if you see yourself as a Spanish person. Well, then that's that's like different levels of, of of colonization. It's like how you look at it, right? So I think that people that are more colonized than others will see it as all like, you know, because like in the Dominican Republic, for example, they, they, when they would teach us about Tainos, uh, they would teach us to us like our Indians were like this and our Indians died like this as though like we owned them, you know, there's mm. no connection there, you know? So that is like this of every colonial way of looking at it, you know, so for me, um taino is something that's closer to me it ties me to that land my indian blood my taino blood tells me that i am not an immigrant to my own homeland that i okay. come from there and if i and if i but i'm doing a genetic study you're gonna find a part of me that has always been on that island across nine thousand years i didn't come i didn't begin with spanish invasion so that's my way of looking at it you know um and, uh, and of course, you know, when you ask me like, oh, well, what is a Taino today? Well, a Taino is a tripartite individual. We have Indian blood, we have African blood, and we have Spanish blood, you know? But that doesn't make you any less than other. I, I refuse to believe that you inherit, you actually inherit pieces from every. We are 100% of everything, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How you
2: choose to identify is up to you. Identity is a personal issue, you know? So when a group of people, you're like, like for example, the Lakota Indians are not Lakota because we call them Lakota. They're Lakota because that's how they identify. That's their identity. You know, mm. they don't need us to validate their Lakotaness. So that, that's the way it is for me with Taino. You know, like we are Taino, we identify with this, and um, and we don't need validation from other people. You know. So anyway, <laughs> as you can see, I'm very passionate about
1: this. No, no, that's great. That's great. Mm.
0: That's that's really helpful for me in particular, because every other week or so, I go through this phase where I'm feeling like, oh, man, I'm not Taino enough. I can't really, like, say that I am. And it's so weird. I think you posted a picture of some of your family members the other day, and they look exactly like my mom. And I was like, okay, there I go. I'm good. I'm right, <laughs> I, hear I hear you. Yeah, I, but
2: uh,
0: I hear you. But
2: let me tell you. Let me tell you, you know, like, um when people do DNA studies, you know? And they'll go like, oh, wow, look, I got, I got my DNA back. And um, oh, man, I'm only 5% Taino. Um, they don't realize how much that really is, right? Because mm-hmm. a DNA study, most of them, I think now they're going back a little further, but most DNA studies go back five generations, okay? In five generations, uh, which is a roughly 120 to 140 years, A single individual, yourself, has exactly 64 ancestors across those five generations. You get 32 from your mother and you get 32 from your father, right? Because there's your mother and then she has her parents, two more, et cetera, et cetera. And when you go all the way, five generations, you actually have 64, okay? Now, if only one of those in five generations was a full-blooded Indian, you could not possibly get 5% Indian blood because that it, it would have been washed away because right. you have 63 other, you know, um, individuals with hundred percent of whatever they were and it would wash it all out. So if you're, if you have 5%, that means that you must have had a lot of Indian ancestors across, across five generations, you know, at least 10, you know? Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the exact numbers are, but I know that it's not one. Now, if let's say you were, um, if five generations ago, you were, uh, uh, um, you know, let's say like Hitler was your, your ancestor five generations ago, people would still say that you were related to him, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you can't, so you can't say that, that, that we're not Taino because we have that little bit of Indian blood. And then the, and the biggest thing I think to take away from this is that according to the Spanish accounts, our ancestors completely, completely disappeared from the face of the planet almost 20 generations ago. So if we had, if we still had full-blooded ancestors five generations ago, wh- 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 where was the extinction? You know, yeah. where, where, where was the extinction? So when the DNA first became a thing, you know, when they when they started uh, uh, sequencing, a lot of historians were, were, uh, were left you know messed up in the game, you know because um, they had claimed all uh, this disappearance within 30 to 50 years. and here now you have all these Indian genes and it's not a little bit, it's a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, so what happened is that, uh, that they, changed, they, changed, uh, the they they changed the narrative. what they started saying was like, oh no, 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 no okay. Yeah, this is Indian blood, but it's not from local Indians. These are Indians that were brought as slaves from outside the, the Caribbean. And I remember when I first heard this and I thought about how, how weak that was because the first studies that they did were mitochondrial DNA. And mitochondrial DNA is the DNA that's passed down from a mother to her children, right? Mm-hmm. To, and, but only the female child can, can pass that along. Um, the Spanish were importing hundreds and hundreds of natives from outside the island. And most of them were males because they needed them to work the mines and the, and the sugar plantations um, et cetera, et cetera, you know, so, so that didn't quite make sense. Um, and it wasn't about two years ago when a, uh, geneticist, uh, um, Hannes Schroeder, it's a friend, he, um, they, they began, him and his team began doing studies on a tooth that they found, um, in the Eleuthera cave in the Bahamas. And they found that there was these four skulls that they had found. And one of the skulls had a full sequence of ancient DNA right Mm -hmm. and this skull was over a thousand years old so they said so basically the question was if there are descendants they would have to match this you know um but if we were let's say if we if our native ancestry is coming from the mainland or from any place else that isn't you know related to taino or whatever um then you know uh, the 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 jig the the jig was up (laughs) so so um so they did the they did the sequencing. They they used 177 Puerto Ricans, and all 177 came out connected to that tooth or somewhere along the line. So so then they knew now that because now they have already sequenced all the native genes from the Caribbean. So they know now exactly how much, and there is some native ancestry from outside, but it's not that much, not as much as we we would have thought. Um, most of it is local. Um, and I'm talking about modern people with with, uh, with uh, Taíno DNA, and it runs anywhere from five percent to to uh, to thirty percent. Um, so, if, it, if and people with more than that probably are not Taíno because, um, uh, you know, you would have to have uh, at least one grandparent to be a full-blooded Taíno, and there haven't been full-blooded Taínos, you know, in at least five generations. Um, but you never know; they might one might pop up somewhere along the line but it's there and it's real
0: you know so so uh is that okay you... no, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I appreciate that honestly <laughs> uh, and i'm sure anyone else listening who is discovering these things about themselves for the first time would appreciate that as well uh, but uh what can you tell us about uh taino spirituality and how it might like I don't know, differ from spirituality that we're used to?
2: Well, um, Taino spirituality is something that has also survived um, to a large extent. Um, but uh, I will tell you in some cases, Taino spirituality is, is, was very similar to African spirituality. The difference is only in that um, Tainos did not invite spirits to inhabit them. Um, and you find that a lot in African, um, you know, like, um, like Voodoo or Santeria, you know, you have people, you know, that invoke, uh, you know, spirits and, and these spirits inhabit them. So Tainos, uh, they're not, they're not, uh, engaged in that type of, uh, thing. Um, but Taino spirituality is something that has never really left us in, in the Caribbean. Um, in particularly, uh, in, uh, in Dominican Republic, uh. Cuba and Puerto Rico, uh, we have um certain practices that um that uh revolve around water and stone. Um uh and these things are called uh aguadulce. Uh um that's the Spanish name for it. Um but it's called sweet water. And it forms a part of many of the uh um tripartite spiritual spiritual practices of the island. Like in, in a place called San Juan de la Maguana in the Dominican Republic, there is a uh, one religion that's called 21 division. Sometimes it's known as Dominican Voodoo, but just like Voodoo, it, it's, it's split up into what they call arms. So one arm um, of, uh, of, um, of 21 division um, is, is called Agua Dulce and that is the Indian arm. So that arm, um, they pray to Indian caciques, uh, T- Taíno caciques from the past. Um, they revere them to this day, etc., um, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Then there's another religion that's called Liborista. That um, it, it, that that religion um, be, uh, was born in the 1920s uh, from a man called um, uh, Liborio Mateo, uh, who was uh, probably the only messianic figure to come out of the Dominican Republic, if I'm not mistaken. But he is credited with, um, you know, putting these three traditions together as well. Um, very Catholic, very Taino, and with, uh, with some African. But then there are some people on the island, there's not many of them left, actually, who practice just the sweet water tradition. And um, recently, even in some archaeological sites, they're beginning to notice that that this practice um, that, that still goes on today was practiced by our ancestors as, as well, uh, which is that the stones are considered to be alive. Um, there are communal stones to this day in some villages in Maguana where people will come and, and feed the stones, they water the stones, and they believe these things to be ancestors. And, and at certain points, these stones might uh, die, and then they bury the stones. Um, so this is practice and and uh, if you go down to South America and do a compare and contrast with other Arawakan people you know um, because as you know Taino people are a branch of the Arawak um, you'll find that they also have uh, uh, this deep connection to to water spirits and 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 to stone spirits etc uh, etc cetera, et cetera. the Taino spirituality is there but I will tell you this um, the biggest problem that I find when it comes to uh, knowing what is what is that the Spanish when the Spanish arrived here um, not knowing how to speak the Taino language they could not possibly um, record uh, properly or accurately what the Tainos were telling them um, especially because Taino seems to be a very polysynthetic language meaning that that um, they, they, they'll take a whole sentence and compress it into one word to, you know, so the one word that can convey a whole sentence. So if a Spanish is asking someone like, what is the name of that mountain? The person might give them one word, which is actually an entire sentence, you know? So how do we record this properly? So the Spanish, you know, did not record things properly. Another thing is Spanish orthography. So the Spanish, um, if the Spanish person was from, let's say, Andalusia, Right, a place in Spain that had a lot of Arabic influence due to the Moors. Well, there's going to be a Moorish sound to the way they write things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and if they're from Galicia, uh, which is closer to Portugal, then it might have a more Portuguese flair, you know. If, if it's an Italian recording, the same words, it's going to have a lot of um, uh, vowels in it because the Italian is hearing it through through that lens. So because of that when you look at Taino words, you find that they are not spelled as they should have been to give them the proper the proper annotations and, and, and all that. So that is the, um, the problem with a lot of what we know about Taino spirituality coming from what the Spanish recorded. Um, the person who recorded Sp- uh, all, all the Taino spiritual traditions was a man called um, Fray Ramon Panay. And Panay was a person who a, was not, um, he was not an ethnographer. He was a priest that was not very well-educated. And he literally wrote all Taino creation stories and, um, and Taino stories dealing with spirituality. He wrote them on about nine pieces of paper. Um, and he had to write them, uh, sometimes two or three stories on one piece of paper, by, basically by uh, twisting the paper around because he didn't have enough resources to, to, to do his, his, uh, his work. So, so Pane writes these stories down, hands these nine pieces of paper to Columbus, who then travels back to Spain and hands those over to Pedro de Angleria, um, Peter Mar de Angleria, who was a, uh, an Italian who was commissioned by the King and Queen to record all um, that the sailors had to say upon coming back from the, from the Caribbean. And Peter D'Angleria reads the manuscript, um, Panet's manuscript. He copies some of it down and he puts it away. And this is now put away until 1890. Wow! And then in 1890, the papers by now, they're all stuck together. The guy was writing and even, even Pane himself says, I don't know if, if I'm recording this accurately because these people do not speak linearly. I don't know if the first story is the last or the last story is the first. So when the Taino movement began, a lot of people didn't know this. So when they read the the now published works of Panay, they believe that to be, you know, like the the Taino Bible almost, right? Mm -hmm. Understanding that Panay was very flawed and everything that he wrote there was probably wrong. So a lot of our stories were lost. You know, but a lot of them can actually be um, recaptured because our relatives in South America had very similar stories, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, and that's where we're at with that now. You know, now what we're doing is is trying to decipher and by again, by comparing, contrasting with stories from South America. There's a lot of overlap in some. In some, there is none, but there is nothing accurate, unfortunately, about. Um, what's been recorded about Taíno spirituality?
1: Wow, that's wow, <laughs> that's sad.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. It is.
1: Um. So yeah. the the Higuayaba, excuse me, the Higuayagua was started yes. to be a, a tribe that's more inclusive to the entire Caribbean instead of just right. like singular islands, which we appreciate that. Um, what made that inclusion so important to you?
2: Well, I'm Dominican. My wife is Puerto Rican, and she was not having it. <laughs> <I'm
0: just kidding. laughs>
2: um, no, well, what happened, like, actually, when it first began, it was um, when I first started thinking about creating a group, because I never really wanted to to start a group or anything like that. Um, I, I just found that the groups to be more problematic than anything else, because everybody was always bickering and fighting, and I didn't want to get involved in that. But eventually I had to, but when, uh, when we were working on the Taino exhibit for the, for the Smithsonian, I realized that Puerto Rico had an active modern Taino movement going mm-hmm. and Cuba did as well. Right. And, um, but the Dominican Republic and Haiti did not. So I felt that it was, that it was time for us to create a group to, so that we can be a part of that fold, you know, um, especially since I had been, um, uh feeding my my information to whoever came to the museum um Mm -hmm. and and from no matter where they came from and and uh so a lot of stuff i had put out there you know it wasn't just to dominicans it was to a lot of people anyway the thing was that um i started this but then quite quickly I, i i just i just realized how ridiculous it was you know because when you think about what happened, right? the, the, the indigenous people are living in the Caribbean, the Spanish come and it's like they, they, they took a bomb to the place and our culture, all our indigeneity was fragmented into a million pieces, you know? In order for us to put it back together again, we, you know, we have to get rid of these notions of nations, I think, mm-hmm. because they didn't exist back then, you know? Um, the ocean was not a barrier, it was a highway and people Ooh. were traveling from island to island you know? Um, so there was not like, I'm a Puerto Rican, or I'm a Dominican, you know? Mm-hmm. It was, you know, that we are people, and, and we're trying to survive, and uh, and survival is better through cooperation than, than it is through warfare, but if we have to go to war, we'll go to war, but cooperation is a lot better, and I think that Tainos prefer to cooperate before going to war. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, that's that's, um, that's that. So, aside I-
0: from uh, being more inclusive. What's something that you think separates Higuayaga from uh, other Taíno tribes? Well, you know, um, one of the things that I've always,
2: I've always believed in is 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 education, um, <clears throat> especially because I I, I because of uh, things that happened in my life, um, unfortunate things. I was never able to to finish school. You know um believe it or not so but the thing is that uh education is key you know so for me iguayagua everything that we put out there i put it through the ringer you know like um you know i i I have to know uh if this is correct you know And, and and if it's correct you know like let me look at it from this angle let me look at it from that angle let me do this compare and contrast a lot of groups that I've seen don't actually do that. A lot of groups that, that, that I, that, that other groups that I've interacted with, I think that um, we all have like some kind of romantic flair, you know, um, mm-hmm. there's, there's something like this certain romance with the whole long hair, I'm an Indian thing. And, 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 I, and I get it, you know, but, but I think it does a disservice, you know, because, you know, when, when we look at, at, at who we are as a people, you know, there's m- more there than just like physical appearance. Um, et Etc. et cetera. you know? So, uh, uh, Iguayagua is, is, is a group that, that um, prides itself on, on doing the best research possible. And when new research comes along that we know it's more definitive, whatever we had before, we don't marry outdated information, we get rid of it, you know, mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. bring in the new. Because at the end of the day, um, what I'm searching for is truth. You know, I'm, I'm searching for truth. And, 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 then, and sometimes that truth might not be what I imagined it to be. It might be totally different from what I, I believed it to be. But it is true. And that's what I want, you know. So, so I can't be afraid to look in that other book or behind that door, you know. Um, you know, you have, you, ha- you have to do this. And that's what Iguayagua does. Uh, we're always looking at things and we always question. We question ourselves and we question everything. And and that's why I feel that we put out the best information that's out there. One of the things that I that I am totally grateful for is that while working for the Smithsonian across twenty five years, I had uh, access to just about every author still living. You know, whether they're an archaeologist, a geneticist, uh, it's it's a different story if I'm going like, "Hi, I'm George. I'm a Taíno. Uh, take my call," <laughs> or like. Hello, um, I'm George Eusefus from the Smithsonian National Museum of the American Indian. i like to talk to Dr. So-and-so. You know, it's, it's really different, right? Um, so I, I, I use that to my advantage. And, and my thing is, like if I read a book and there was something that I didn't like about it, I said, I'm going to get in touch with this guy and I'm going to question him to see where he's coming from. You know, and, and, and a lot of times they would go like, you know, you're right. I never looked at it in that way. And then I realized that these guys who are putting out this uh, factual information they're human too, and that they don't always have all the information. So you know, but then sometimes they do, you know. And, and so, so it's this interaction with with, with the, the real experts, because um, that to me there's two there's two kinds of experts, right? There there are the elders who have lived a life, you know, who know about our material culture, who know about lot of our campesino stories, and then there are the theologists who have studied, you know, um, the the history, who have studied the the archaeology, etc., and and a marriage of the two leads you to the right place. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. No, no, that's that's awesome. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> uh, it, I, it's always refreshing to see that people, you know, even though you do have like this one concept of what you think the truth is, and you've had it for years, when new information comes up, a lot of people are really hard pressed to let go. Of what they thought was the truth so that's really to me that's awesome that you're willing to say okay well this is more updated information so i have to conform to the new information versus what i thought was you know correct so i i do love that um you just had an areto um can you tell all our listeners what that practice is and and what it represents
2: sure so uh in the in the past uh taino people were known for having a lot of Get together, right? So,
0: mm-hmm.
2: so people would get together. Um, something like we are today, you know. Like um, if you are ever in, a, in in any uh, Caribbean neighborhood, and you know somebody puts up the music, everybody starts dancing. You know, it's just like yeah, Whoa. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we, uh, so we, that, that is when people get together, um, usually to celebrate something. Um, uh, whether it's a naming ceremony or, or, um, or, you know, to, to honor a certain semi, you know, semis are, our spiritual objects. Um, and things of that nature. Yesterday's Areito was more of a, hey, we haven't seen each other in over a year, not physically, you know, like this. It's embrace, man, you know, like I miss some of my people, you know, I mean, I miss, I miss them all, but, but there, mm-hmm. there's some that I was concerned about, you know, that are going through some things and some that you just want to, just want to reach out and hug somebody, you know what I'm saying? So to me, it was good to be able to, to see some of the people that I haven't seen in a while. And, um, and, and, so, but that, that's what an idea is, it's a get together, you know, um, to either celebrate, uh, and you know, one of our, uh, our spirituality, or is a get together to sp- celebrate ourselves? So, are you? Yeah, uh,
0: we know you're working on getting a Taino dictionary up and out there for purchase, which I personally am super excited for. Uh, but what are your hopes for progress in language revival? Well,
2: first of all, I hope I survive.
0: <laughs> I survive, <laughs> uh, yeah, you
2: know, um there's there's been several attempts uh be, in the past first of all um to revive the language um these usually fell flat because there just wasn't enough information based on what the spanish recorded to actually get a full language going the spanish recorded things like um place names you know toponyms right mm-hmm. uh, so um, uh, the place, the names were rivers, you know, the names were a certain flora and fauna, things that weren't familiar to them. But the colloquial everyday Taino was not really recorded, nothing, none of it was, you know. Um, and uh, and because of this, you know, we, we it, it was always hard to put something together. Um, but somewhere along the line, people decided that it was better to maybe mix, you know, what we have that is Taino with that with those, the more closely related peoples, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's where things get a little choppy. So, um, some people feel that, um, that, for example, languages like Garifuna and uh, uh, Kalinago, uh, which are um, quote unquote, uh, island Carib languages, um, but they happen to be Arawak. Uh, they feel that those are the ones that are closest to what Taino, Taino was, um, and they go down that line, um, and then uh, Iguayago took a different turn because for, for several reasons. First of all, um, when we be, when we began uh, uh, on this path, that's when uh, all this new information started coming out, uh, which changed the whole the whole picture. So. The question for me becomes okay not what is the what is Taino closest related to because we really don't know what that was because like I said before the way Taino was recorded we just don't know how it really actually was but the question is what um, languages is uh, let's say uh, Garifuna and Kalinago what languages are those are more closely related to those and that those languages are languages like Locono and Wayu which are to me like um, uh, the strongest, uh, like the parent languages, if you will, you know, then they're not, they're their own languages, their own their own Arawak languages. But um, you find uh, that Garifuna, for example, is more closely related to Locono than any other language. But here's the, here's the dilemma that I faced, right? I faced this, I said, I am trying to find cognates between um, the old Taino language which is 100% Arawak, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and any Arawak language that, that can lead me there. Garifuna itself is only 45% Arawak, right? Mm-hmm. But Locono is 100% Arawak. So then, yeah, we will take a look at Garifuna, but but not not over Locono. Um, Some people would tend to think, ah, so you know, so you're discriminating against Garifuna because a lot of Garifuna people are more black in appearance, and that to me is is just plain nonsense. I actually believe that Garifuna is probably the most beautiful of all the Arawak languages. Um, It's also the most difficult to learn because uh, you know when you think about how these different peoples got together, you know, originally it was like these Caribs and these. uh, and, and and our white people uh, how they got together and and then the africans come and then the spanish and whatever and then they create this 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 language that has so many different avenues how they make it work is, is just amazing you know and, and but it's a very complex language. So we took that route and um, and our book is basically one where we decided several things. First of all, if we borrow from other languages, to create our own, our own new version. It's never going to be a revival mm-hmm. of the old language mm-hmm. because yeah, we don't know what that was, and it, and, and it right. does the service for me to say we have the the old Taíno language. We revived the ancient language, you know, um, from our ancestors, and that's just not true. Nobody can do that, not really. If we can mm-hmm. do that, it would have been done a long time ago. And uh, and and one thing that a lot of people don't know is that. If, and this is a question that was asked to me recently. Somebody asked me recently, this, uh, a linguist friend of mine asked me, he said, George, how many linguists do you think have ever worked on the Taino language? Oof. And, 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 I couldn't, uh, and I couldn't answer the question. I was thinking, oh, you know, Julian Granberry, you know, several. I have, I have myself, I have over 30, 40 books on, on the Taino language. And uh, I said, I don't know, maybe five or six. And he goes, none. No linguist has ever worked on the Taino language because the Taino language is considered a dead language. Now, um, uh, Irving Rouse, who was uh, probably the father of Caribbean archaeology, you know, he had asked a man called Douglas Taylor, who had done a lot of extensive work on Kalinago, Island Carib, to look at Taino words to, to try to decipher them. And that's actually the only work that was ever done, but nobody ever sat there and looked at all our words and tried to figure those out. So how could you say that you have, you know, you're going to revive the ancient language, you know? So just to be mm-hmm. a little bit more transparent and more truthful, I I favor saying, we have created a new Taino language, a new Arawak language. Um, one of the things that, that I learned uh, by speaking to some of our, uh, my linguist friends, like um, a, a friend of mine called uh, Alexandra Eichenfeld. um She's a, a, a brilliant, brilliant woman. She spoke to me uh, about something that, uh, this phenomenon uh, it, you know, to me, it is, um, uh, it's called a nested identity, right? So there's, there's several people in South America uh, like, for example, the YY Indians of South America, these are really new tribes that uh, came into existence in the, in the last 120 years or so. And when uh, she told me about this, I was like, how could this be, you know? And then she says that, you know, the rubber trappers, for example, in, uh, in, and this is actually in one of her books. Um, But the rubber trappers in in Brazil, they were capturing Indians from different tribes and putting them together to live in these little makeshift villages and have them out there, you know, slaving, uh, uh, trapping rubber. And within a generation or two, they begin speaking uh, uh, a mixture of all the languages that are there, you know. Mm. And uh, and but when you ask them, who are you? They'll always say, well, my mother was this. My father was that, you know, because they still Tied to that identity. But by the third generation, let's say, um, they're no longer seeing themselves as those other people. Now they're these new people with their own new language, right? So I said to myself, what would happen? What would have happened if the Spaniards had never come to the Caribbean? The influx of more Arawak people would have changed the language even more drastically than when the Spanish arrived. The Arawak language, the Taíno language, back then was already a mixture of a lot of different Arawak languages, so it would have continued mixing. So that's what we did. What we did was that we took all the strongest, more closely related Arawak languages, and we looked for all the words that are more closely related, roots that have uh, words that have a lot of root words that are very similar, um, and from there we pulled out some twenty-five thousand words. And that's how we created our, our our dictionary. And that's the short version of <laughs> of the answer for your question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, what for you? What is the the future of the tribe itself look like to you?
2: Um, wow, well, uh, I have I have uh, I have two things to say about that. I guess. Um, I think that if um if we can uh, focus and and understand what's really at stake here I think that we can continue growing uh I, I I was when this movement began 35 years ago um I was one of I I I like to say that you know the architects of the movement uh and I'm one of those architects in a sense uh and I was there from the very beginning and uh, I would never would have dreamed that we would have, that we would have had a movement back then based on the way things were then. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and to be where we are now, you know, working on languages, you know, um, cause for me, like other people working on languages is great, you know, um, only in that, whether I agree with their methods or not, but I say, if we didn't have language 35 years ago, now we have several. So that's great. You know, um, so, uh. Anyway, the way the Taino movement has evolved um, it, it, I think it should have been a little bit more advanced. We've spent too much time on on, on polemic you know uh, fighting each other
0: yeah. uh,
2: arguing about about things you know um, and uh, I think that a part of me is afraid that that's going to be our downfall you know I, we have this tendency to fight you know. Um, that's why I refuse to believe that Tainos were so, like, the, the way the Spanish described us as being all these, like, uh, flower children almost, you know. Um, <laughs> you no, know, we like to fight because we love to fight for anything today, you know, always looking. At, and and unfortunately, Tainos, what made us the powerful people that we were was to be the, our ability to cooperate, you know. And... Um, in, in my in my journeys through life and I've, I've been to places like Mexico and, and and to Indian villages in Mexico and Indian villages all over Arizona and New Mexico and, and, and the Dakotas and one of the things that I noticed about the Indian people there is that you know um, if they don't like you uh, if they don't like another another individual from their community they just avoid it you know mm-hmm. they don't necessarily stand there and fight unless there's something at stake but other than that there is this you know like those are still my people you know and uh and 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 but, but we fight each other in a way that 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 sometimes is it's really um it's disheartening so i think that if we focus we're here to stay mm-hmm. you know we're here to stay because this is going to continue growing especially because Our movement is not about racial purity. Our movement is about, you know, um, uh, identities in situ. We are from here, this is the Caribbean, this is our homeland, this is who we are, Mm
1: -hmm. you know?
2: Um, And and we're not gonna lose that identity anymore, especially now you have all this influx of of people coming from other places, you know? um, Again, a lot of expats, things are bound to start changing. So I don't think that is ever gonna happen again, but um, it can't. But, uh, I, 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 but I do have a fear when I see the way uh, individually sometimes, you know, people react to other people, you know, uh, I don't know why, but but it's just a fear that I have that I think that, you know, we can go extinct just as easy as, uh, uh, I mean, it's easier to go extinct than it is to, because <laughs> extinction is something that happens with a, with a stroke, you know, with the stroke of a pen, you know. <laughs> yeah this is not valid, this is not real. Somebody writes it down and people read it and it becomes a fact. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that all the hard work that we put into this, you know, gets uh, tarnished by, um, by the infighting. And, 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 and you know, like, like to me, like I, I know a lot of people, a lot of people, I, I think a lot of people like me, a lot of people don't like me, you know, um, but that's okay. You know, uh, you can't make everybody like you. But the people that don't like you is like sometimes like they, they really go out of their way to not like you, you know, it's like, you know Yeah I, I, I don't worry about what other people are thinking, you know. I'm like, you know, if I don't like something that somebody's doing, I just leave it alone. Right. You know, so I think Facebook has a lot to do with a lot of the problems now too, you know, because people get fixated on other people's pages and I'm like turn the page. <laughs> just <Yeah>. turn the-
1: <laughs> Keep scrolling. Keep scrolling.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know, so I have friends that I've had to tell them like, dude, I I I deliberately, you know, don't go on that person's page. Why are you sending me a copy of it? I don't want to see the, I don't want to see what they have to say, you know? Yeah. If it's not positive. Like, I don't understand how you get anywhere in life with negative ne- with negativity, you know? Yep. It was like I, I just I, I'm old now, you know? I'm sick. Maybe <laughs> if I was if I was 35 still, you know, I used to uh, I've I've been a fighter all my life, so I I, I maybe I would entertain it, but I'm too old to be worrying about nonsense, you know. So, but anyway, I, my my just to really answer your question, uh, um, I, I think we're, we're we're good, we're good, you know. I think that we're we're going we're in the right direction, um, and I'm gonna have to hold on to faith and 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 uh, and uh, and keep on uh, hoping that. Uh, that we that we grow up you know that we grow up and 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 realize what's important you know we have children um, mm.
0: have
2: to be better examples right
0: so so what's uh this is a more uh joyful question uh, uh, yes. what's uh, one of your favorite experiences that you've had so far as a tribal leader like what made you say yeah this is this is why I did it this is what's really worth it
2: there's been times that I, I'll put something, you know, and I'll say, this is this, this word is this or whatever. And somebody says, George, no, you made a mistake. Look, and they can show me that mistake, you know, and, and that to me, it does it for me because that's the way it should be, you know, like one of the things that I tell people, I tell them like, you know, uh, I am not infallible. You know, uh, uh, I make mistakes just like everybody else, of course, you know, so question me, you know, and I'll always show you where I get my sources from. I don't, I, I just, to me, it's like, it, it's such a disservice to pull things out of my butt just, just to make a point, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it doesn't work for me. So there's been times when, you know, people from my own group have told me like, uh, well, what about this? And I go, God, that's right. <laughs> I didn't think about that one. And I think I cover all my bases, you know, but sometimes you forget. And that is when that to me is the best time, you know, because if everybody just agrees with you, then if you've made a mistake, then you got a whole bunch of people wrong. You know, Yeah, it so has to be somebody with a clearer mind going in the background. Well, let's just make Let's just test this out and see if it's true. You know, let's figure it out. So I so I've surrounded myself with a lot of people that, that will always question, you know, and, and, I, and I like that. I, that. That to me does it that's that's my best uh, that's my best experience other than the fact that I'm actually surrounded by people that I care about, that I love and um, and that they all uh, are on the same path together with me.
1: So um, yeah <laughs> no that's great. that's amazing. Um, George, thank you so much for speaking with us today. If our listeners wanted to learn more about um, the Taino um, and the Higuayagua, um tribe can you recommend any books websites where you know we can tell people look go here get the information because i i'm a big firm believer that like what you were saying to in order for the for the tribe to survive you have to have more people on board you know learning about you know the culture you know the 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 people everything so is there any books you recommend or like websites
2: well, the best book on Taíno, I haven't written it yet, so I can't <laughs> recommend that one yet. I haven't even worked on the title, but but um but uh like we have a website which is actually going to be uh, revamped pretty soon. I can send you that. I can send you that link.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, uh, but as far as books are concerned, um, there's this one book that's called uh, "The Origins of Taíno Culture." By uh, Tainan cultures by Sven Lovin, the information is a little outdated, but it's a, a fantastic book. I think for people who are just learning about this, because it's it's very Caribbean wide, and, and, and uh, it's one of the best books I've ever. I I I, I actually used to call it the the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, but it depends on the subject too, you know. Like um, when it comes to archaeology, um, uh, I would say books by Antonio Corret um uh, books by uh what's his name um Jose Oliver from Puerto Rico another Puerto Rican He's fantastic um, writer um uh, I, I could actually send you a list you know yeah that'd yeah, be great but, yeah and if you want um i was actually in the process right now of putting together this um this folder with over i'd say 400 pdfs um full of a uh, lot of Again, this is just for the nerds out there, but a lot of <laughs> wonderful nerdy food, you know, to read. Of um, I can send it to you, and uh,
0: and you can uh, distribute it as you please. Oh awesome. yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's thank you so much. As Sin said, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Honestly, when I emailed you, I did not expect you to say yes. And then when you did, we were both just like, oh, my God, oh, my God. So, you know, it was lovely hearing you speak to, you know, the past, the present and the future. And, uh, you know, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Uh, thank you so much. It was wonderful speaking with you guys. Thank you for your questions. Um,
2: it was an honor, and I had a good time. I, this was my first uh, podcast, right? Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, this is my first one, and I, and, uh, I survived, man. <laughs> 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 it was good. You know. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: All right, guys. Have a sure wonderful you day know. yourselves. Oh, thank you. Um, make sure you guys to keep an eye out for us on Twitter at Chaos P Rising, also on uh, TikTok. And if I'm not mistaken, Tumblr now?
0: No.
1: No, not Telkale. Never go That's what I get for talking. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just keep an eye out for us on Twitter. Have a good one, guys. Take
2: care.